Hello, time investors. This is Igli with Equity Breakdown. Traditional banks and investing platforms are prime for disruption. Based on CB Insights research, fintech companies represent about 70% of all unicorns around the world, with companies like Stripe and Square. This environment reveals a clear message. People want to have a frictionless participation in financial services and markets. They want their money to be free. So today, we will break down Robinhood, ticker symbol H-O-O-D, the fintech company that wants to become the go-to app for money. So let's get into this. What is Robinhood? Well, it's a stock trading investing tech company that provides everyone commission-free trading. And we'll come back to that term. The company is proud to have created an intuitive platform that makes investing easy. And they have a pretty clear mission and vision. Their mission is to democratize finance for all, and their vision is to become the most trusted, lowest cost, and most culturally relevant money app worldwide. Now, they simply want to allow everyone to participate in the financial system, regardless of your wealth, income, or background. So let's dive a little bit deeper here and look at the customer landscape. So we can categorize these in two categories. You have your users and then what I call contract customers. So from a user perspective, well, the company today has net cumulative funded accounts as of Q1 2021, 18 million, which is 151% year over year increase. That's phenomenal. And for the full year 2020, of course, 12.5 million. So you can see here in just over three months, they added 6 million additional accounts in 2021. Now, their monthly active users, MAU as it's called, uh, is currently at 17.7 million for Q1 2021, uh, which is about 106% increase when compared to last year. Uh, And over the full year of 2020, it's 11.7 million. So once again, pretty cool uh, increase here that you're you're seeing uh, in utilizing this app. Now, the average revenue per user, well, as of Today in Q1 2021, it's $137, 65% increase uh, from year over year. So it's pretty pretty great in terms of the ARPU. Now let's look at the cohort annual revenue. So cohorts essentially are when groups of users signed up at a particular year, and then they follow those years uh, in terms of understanding what happens to them uh, as the company uh, matures uh, throughout its growth process. So 2017 cohort returned 130 million. That's 7.6x in revenue in four years. 2018 cohort returned 186 million. That's 4.2x in revenue in three years. 2019 returned 175 million. That's 3.9x in revenue in two years. And 2020 uh, returned about 326 million. So across the cohorts here, you can see that they are reliable. And as, as they're kept into the product over years, um, they become profitable as well too. So from a user perspective, more than 50% of users are first time investors. So essentially 50% of their users that have signed up uh, Robinhood is their first brokerage account. Now, greater than 80% of the users were mainly acquired through the Robinhood referral program. And this is identified as organic, um, but there was a referral program that you essentially get free stock for 
when uh, individuals signed up, and now they've amended that to when you actually fund your account. Uh, and that's a, it's been a very successful program for them. Uh, the referral program actually costs $57 million in 2021, uh, so that's 56% of the marketing expense, and $26 million in 2020, so around now 37% of the marketing expense, which is pretty interesting. Now, the referral program awards free shares uh, upon bank link linking rather than the account approval. This is the new amendment I just mentioned. Um, and the share prices, of course, uh, that they offer range between $2.50 to $2.25. So you're not getting a uh, Berkshire Hathaway share, that's for sure. And on top of that, uh, now let's look at the CAC. So it has steadily declined by 16%, so the cost of acquiring a customer. So from $53 in 2019 to $20 in 2020, and now $15 in 2021. Um, so you can see here that there, the, the cost of acquiring that customer is not only steadily declining, but also the revenues that those customers provide, or in this case, users, uh, has been uh, increasing uh, steadily as well too. So Robinhood states that most of their investors buy and hold uh, are buy and hold investors. We'll we'll challenge that as we move forward down the line here. Seventy percent of the assets uh, under custody come from ages eighteen through forty, and in fact, they've actually tripled the number of women using the platform. Which uh, I've seen this among my friends as well too. Um, so they actually claim a user a diverse user base. Uh, so of course they say nine percent are African American, sixty percent are Hispanic, and the fact that they're trying to uh, provide finance. Uh, services, uh, specifically investing across all uh, forms of uh, wealth, income, uh, as well as uh, background, uh, and and uh, regardless of your uh, ethnicities, they want to tackle that, and that's the statistics that they present there. And uh, on top of that, uh, interesting enough, 65% have credit scores of prime or better, and 65% have debt-to-income uh, ratios of less than 20%. And finally, 50% of internal Robinhood surveys responded that the application helped motivate to save money. Granted, they are Robinhood surveys, but positive uh, feedback on their end. So now let's look at the contract customers here. So these guys are your market makers. So revenue from market makers actually represented about 75% of the total revenue in 2020 and 81% in 2021. We're talking about Citadel Securities, and I'm sure you've heard of these guys. Uh, and then you have uh, Susquehanna International Group, Tai Moshan, Wolverine Holdings. Um, those, call it four, actually have greater than 10% of the revenue stake. And then everybody else is grouped in the all other bucket. From a financial performance perspective, well, revenue in Q1 2021, 522 million, 309% increase year over year. Full year uh, 2020 revenue, about 959, so close to that 1 billion. Um, and of course, if they keep the trajectory um, without any potential growth in uh, this year, 522 million times four, well, you're talking about you're getting close to the 2 billion mark. Um, assuming uh, no growth. And the net income here is uh, Q1 2021. Uh, of course, they weren't profitable uh, for the Q first part of the half of the year, but for full year 2020, they actually broke even. And uh, it's pretty amazing that they broke even with everything that's been going on with Robinhood and the meme stocks. 
Um, and of course, loss in 2021 was driven by the 1.4 billion in convertible notes that they had to raise from investors, uh, that they issued to investors to raise money. And of course, this was also driven heavily by the GameStop fiesta that happened. And then assets under custody. Well, in Q1 2021, we're talking about 81 billion. So that's 3.2 more uh, X than uh, last year. And then in 2020, 63 billion. Um, so uh, again, assets under custody uh, have been increasing. Um, and of course, 80% of those are equities, 14% uh, crypto, 9% cash, 3% options. And, and then of course, uh, their margin balances. Um, and then on hand, they have about 4.7 billion in cash, locked and loaded, ready to burn and make some action. So let's take a look at their team DNA and culture. Well, the company is founder led by Vladimir Tenev and Bayou Bahar, Bahat, I apologize. Uh, their executive team is composed of leaders from Capital G, Amazon, Facebook, Google, and former SEC commissioner. Now, interesting in Glassdoor, the company actually received some pretty positive reviews. They had a 4.4 star review with 80% approval to actually recommend to a friend if they wanted to work there and 88% approval of the CEO. Uh, and this is a pool of 266 reviews. The company is actually planning to increase its engineering team by 20%, customer service by 20%, and regulatory compliance by 30%. And the revenue comments, uh, I'm sorry, the review comments were actually, you know, on the pro side, they said the culture is open and friendly. On the con side, well, they said growing pains have definitely been real. And I do not blame them uh, with everything that they've been experiencing in the spotlight that they've received so far. So now going through those basic facts of Robinhood, why should Robinhood exist? What market opportunity is out there? Well, the stock market is defined as one of the greatest inventions in the capital markets to increase wealth. Historically, the S&P 500 has produced on average between 10 to 13% annual return, but many Americans experienced limited or no access at all in the wealth generation process by the markets, with, besides their 401ks and their pension plans. With finance technology, the barriers that once existed preventing ordinary citizens from access are deteriorating rapidly. So realizing this, here are some market dynamics that are evolving. So 2019 Pew Research Survey revealed that 60% of Americans do not have investments outside of their retirement accounts. Pretty staggering number. 2020 Gallup poll revealed 68% of young adults between 18 and 29 have no money invested at all. Now 2020 Harris uh, poll revealed two-thirds of Americans would consider financial products from technology platforms. Retail investing actually represents about 20% of all American households. And 30% of retail investors place orders using mobile apps, and 59% uh, within that of uh, uh, participants are between the ages of 18 through 34, based on a FINRA survey. So the company reports from insights by Charles Schwab that U.S. retail investors have total assets of 15 trillion. So huge market opportunity there. With over half of retail investors revealing Robinhood as their first brokerage account, a strong, essentially that signed up to Robinhood, a strong market share is inevitable. Additionally, the crypto market is currently valued at $1.3 trillion. And since Robinhood offers access to crypto investments, uh, with Bitcoin representing about 46% of the market cap, that is certainly uh, an opportunity there. And as young retail investors are open to developing ecosystems, the ability to access crypto investments is crucial. Simultaneously, the opportunity to offer FDIC-insured cash management solutions like traditional banks opens additional market opportunities. 
Now, there are over 1 trillion in broker deposits in the US and 3.6 trillion in credit card purchases volumes as well. Robinhood is actually positioned to operate in an ecosystem that, in my opinion, is ripe for disruption. So now let's dive in and understand what strategic resources Robinhood has to be competitive in the market. So they actually have a technology platform that has proprietary ordering system that can evaluate past user orders and automatically route orders to market makers, which is how they accomplish the commission-free trading component on the user end. The company claims that this ensures users have the best prices. The company also implements a self-clearing system that clears and settles trades across stocks, ETFs, and options. In addition, their machine learning platform enhances fraud detection and curates a personal, relevant news feed for users regarding equities and cryptocurrencies. Now, to continue to enhance this platform, Robertin has a team of 550 engineers, which is about 26% of their workforce. So again, they've put the right people in place to build a pretty interesting uh, technology platform. So the platform offers a series of solutions. First, the investing solutions. So you can invest in commission-free stocks, ETFs, options, fractional shares, recurring investment functionalities, and IPO access. Then we have Robinhood Crypto. So you invest in seven different cryptocurrencies. So you have Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin SV, Dogecoin, Ethereum, Ethereum Classic, and Litecoin. Currently, users cannot deposit or withdraw fiat and cryptocurrencies directly from the Robinhood crypto subsidiary. So while you're investing into them, you don't own that Bitcoin or that Ethereum um, since you can't withdraw nor deposit them uh, outside of the Robinhood platform. And Robinhood doesn't own them as well, too, I believe. And then you have the Robinhood Gold uh, service here, monthly subscription service that offers instant access to deposits uh, of between five to 50,000 uh, in terms of the range. Stock research, access to investing in margin, once you meet the eligible uh, criteria that are required. And currently, today, they have about 1.4 million customers subscribed. So uh, I'd like to make an amendment here. I did mention you have contract customers, and these are also users that have been converted into direct customers as well too um, that pay that subscription fee. And then, of course, they offer uh, cash management. So users can earn interest on cash accounts. Currently, there are about 3.4 million debit card holders uh, with a partnership with MasterCard uh, within Robinhood. And they have removed traditional bank fees, such as minimum balances, overdraft, and transfers to attract uh, users over. And finally, within the platform, they offer learning and education solutions uh, feature. So they offer educational tools and resources like uh, their famous podcasts, news feeds, and learning library of articles and tutorials. So Robinhood Snacks, I believe, is the famous podcast, um, which I encourage you guys to listen. They do a pretty good job. So to protect its assets, the company has 55 issued patents, three pending design patents, and their cash management uh, product card designs. Technology and development expenditures actually represent about 22% of their revenue. And when you look at their patents, uh, design is a common word across them. So you can see where they're truly emphasizing um, their game here relative to all the other peers. 
So now, key strategic moats. Now, I know this can be a little uh, contentious. Uh, some may say they don't have any moats. Others uh, say they have pretty strong moats, but um, I'll keep the same template that I've been going for uh, in the past. So, you know, I'll, I'll add in product design. The design here is at the center of uh, Robinhood's success. Uh, they've created a platform that is intuitive, informative, and aesthetically familiar. In 2020, half of all new investing and trading app downloads were driven by Robinhood. And as a personal user, or I used to be a personal user, I have to say it's one of the easiest uh, UI experiences uh, out there uh, relative to some of the other brokerage accounts. I mean, you can get started ASAP as soon as you sign in, uh, you deposit your funds, boom, you're ready to go. Brand. Well, when you think of Robinhood, you immediately associate retail investors and zero commission trading. Um, investing is now socially relevant among younger generations due to Robinhood, and 80% of newly funded accounts join the platform through their referral program, which signifies brand relevance. And whether the news about them has been positive or negative, uh, it's hard to not associate Robinhood with retail investors and with investing in general, especially if you are a first comer. Scale. So the company offers a variety of services ranging from news, watch lists, ability to manage cash balances, investments, and manage personal portfolios. Users on average visited the app nearly seven times a day. With this scalability, the company has 3.4 million debit card holders, 11 million users that have used fractional trains, and 32 million subscribers to their newsletter and podcast, and 7 million views on their Robinhood Learn initiative. So you can see here that they are also implementing a strong media strategy to scale their service. Their referral programs is very successful, which has helped them grow um, up until this point. And... Uh, and they have a pretty simple and aesthetically pleasing platform. So you can see why that achieves uh, scale. And finally, their team. So the team is founder-led with experienced executive leadership, strong culture, and overall positive work environment. And the team strongly believes that the financial system should be accessed by all. So, you know, I know some of them, especially uh, the CEO and the founder, uh, has been depicted as kind of evil, mischievous, working with uh, Wall Street. But, you know, overall, they have a pretty good message when it comes to that. But I'll provide my opinion a little bit uh, further down uh, in terms of what I personally think. Now, let's take a look at their business model and growth. So when you follow the breadcrumbs, three distinct revenue streams define Robinhood's business model. First, uh, the transaction-based revenue. So I mentioned that represents about 75% of the total revenue in 2020 and 81% in Q1 of 2021. So essentially, when a user puts in an order, so when I put in an order for a trade, whether it's an equity, option, cryptocurrency, Robinhood uses their ordering system that they built, the proprietary ordering system, to route orders to market makers like Citadel to execute, and they in return receive a fee. Now, this strategy is called Payment for Order Flow, PFOF. And you'll hear this one a lot. Similarly, on the crypto trades, it's called a transaction uh, rebate. So let us dig a little deeper and understand some facts about the fee structure. So on the equity side, the fee is a fixed percentage based on the difference between the coded bid and ask, so essentially the spread. On the options side, the fee is on a per contract basis. On cryptocurrencies, it's a fixed percentage on the order size of the transaction. 
Now, a majority of this revenue is also mainly driven by options, 47%, equities, 32%, and cryptocurrencies, 20%. Now, the fee structure is identical across all market makers, and Robinhood states that they route orders to market makers that they believe offer the best execution and in the cryptocurrency space, the best competitive price. So, you know, while they make these statements, and of course, if you guys recall on on the user side, they also say they want the users to buy and hold options aren't usually strategies where you buy and hold for a long period of time. So I guess the buy and hold period needs to be defined how long that is. Um, And then on top of that, uh, there is strong debate that the payment of order flow incentive structure does not actually do what Robinhood says it does. Um, But we'll leave that for the experts to, to knock out. So on the net interest revenue, this is the other uh, revenue stream here. It actually represented about 18% in 2020 and 11% in Q1 in 2021 of their total revenue. So essentially, the company earns interest by lending securities, uh, margin loans, and cash balances. And finally, the Robinhood Gold membership. This is the other revenue stream, and it's represented about 6% in 2020 and 8% in Q1 2021 of total revenue. So uh, to get access to margin investing and additional privileges, you have to be a subscriber. So you can see here, they're heavily concentrated on the transaction-based revenue, which is very different from their competitors. Um, They do not, while they also participate in uh, payment of order flow, uh, it does not compose the large amount that it uh, does for Robinhood. And now, understanding the way that they make money and the business model they approach, what growth strategies does this company have for the future? Well, it can be boiled down to four things. User acquisition. So the referral program was pretty successful and will expand to now to deliberate marketing resources to acquire users. So, you know, they're trying to shift from what they quote unquote called organic to now deliberately spending marketing resources to acquire users. Now, an interesting campaign and kind of a way to also save face across their brand, they're intending to allocate 35% of IPO shares to retailers. This is pretty interesting because if people are really excited about Robinhood and they get access to their IPO shares, well, you just got a significant amount of new users just on your IPO day. So great marketing from these guys. And let's also uh, say that the ability to have access to their IPO shares is also a pretty unique strategy that not a lot of companies, I think no one has done in this case directly for retail investors. So it does show that they care about their users. Now their user support here. So resources will be deployed to increase customer support. They want to add the human touch and they've been heavily criticized, especially with the outages that happen and the lack of transparency. So this is one way to continue growth and product innovation. You know, the company intends to evolve its product to potentially include all aspects of financial management and services such as loans and mortgage services. So don't just think about them about investing while they do that now. Think about the variety of opportunities they can offer in the future, essentially become a digital bank. And finally, international expansion. The Credit Suisse Research Institute estimates that total global wealth is estimated at over 250 trillion. Asian and European expansion are necessary. And eToro, which is uh, the international counterpart here and specifically in Europe, is one of their main competitors. Now, here's some investor facts. Well, you have some top-notch investors. You have DSD Global, Ribbit Capital, New Enterprise Associates, and Index Ventures that have greater than 5% share there. 
And you know, some pretty cool things when you look at uh, the stock price across their various fundraises for their uh, preferred uh, stock, it seems like Series A uh, was around 19 cents, Series G around $18.6. So just assuming you know you jumped in your Series A and you stuck with them, that's a close to 100x return. Uh, and then if you think about their potential valuation at 40 billion, well, what I commend and congratulate all the investors that started early on within Robinhood because they have made a killing. And now, finally, when you talk about their shares and their voting, um, Class A shares are one vote, Class B shares are 10 votes. And of course, uh, the executive team, uh, especially the founders, are heavily equipped with Class B shares. Uh, so while there are more Class A shares in terms of count, the, the, the founders retain uh, voting power. So guys, now let's take a look at some key insights here for you. So before I provide my opinion, uh, I wanna highlight some key critical risks. Revenue risk, number one here. Majority of the revenues generated by Robinhood comes from payment of order flows. Now this is highly driven by option trading, which is one of the riskiest forms of trades to make as an investor. A reduction in spreads between the bid and ask price due to technology, reduction in trading activity, coming out of COVID, will people uh, still be interested as much as they were while things were locked down? And any regulation regarding the relationship with market makers can severely impact 81% of the company's revenue. Additionally, a substantial driver of growth in Q1 was driven by cryptocurrency trading and more specifically, Dogecoin, the meme crypto coin, uh, thanks to Elon Musk. And that represented 34% of the cryptocurrency transaction-based revenue. So I don't know about you, but that's sitting on shaky ground there, especially when you have uh, a good portion of your revenue being driven by cryptocurrencies and a significant portion of that attributed to Dogecoin. The next risk here is brand degradation. So there has been a tsunami of negative media coverage as well as litigation settlements with government entities regarding Robinhood practices, gamification of investing, and operational outages. So of course, 2019 of December, they settled the 1.2 million fine for non-compliance with best execution prices, uh, practices through the PFOF strategies with FINRA, uh, which is a self-regulatory organization by private entities like Goldman Sachs and everybody. So you can see why FINRA uh, wants to be in that place uh, to help mitigate uh, these type of regulations. December 2020, Robinhood paid $65 million to SEC for an investigation into the best execution of PFOF practices. So two fines on that. And more recently, FINRA fined Robinhood $70 million, one of the largest fines for the systematic in history for the systematic outages, misleading communication, and trading practices. So again, this is one of the largest penalties. And there are a slew of other class action suits in play as well. Now, competition. Of course, the ecosystem is extremely competitive with incumbents like Charles Schwab, which has 32 million accounts, Fidelity, 83 million accounts, E-Trade, 7 million accounts, TD Ameritrade, 11 million accounts. And in the space, of course, consolidation is happening. So you have Charles Schwab, I think, bought TD Ameritrade uh, and so forth. So you see, you see various different uh, players here, brokerage accounts is consolidating uh, to maintain market share. And also you have new entrants like eToro, 20 million, Weeble, Public, um, and a variety of other uh, competitors out there. And finally, uh, government regulation. So 
The GameStop meme stock fiesta has certainly raised the flag, causing government regulatory bodies uh, to place a lot of focus. Payment of order flows is on the table with potential legislation that is recently introduced to completely prohibit the practice. In addition, Gary Gensler, chairman of the SEC, has pro proposed key focus on the following concepts. PFOF, so again, payment of order flows, gamification, disclosures under trading restrictions, margin requirements efficiencies, managing liquidity risk, mobile app features such as rewards and post notification, because Robin, who was uh, criticized heavily with the whole confetti thing once you made a trade and they felt like, okay, the gamification was incentivizing the wrong behavior. So all that stuff is under the oversight now of Gary Gensler uh, and uh, proposed regulations that are to come. So understanding those risks is very important, especially as Robinhood now enters the public eye. You know, Robinhood spawned from the idea of democratizing finance and with a grandiose vision of becoming the go-to app for money. So that sounds pretty cool. This idea is very addictive, and especially when it involves a traditional story of Wall Street, you can see why it works. When I think about Wall Street and the narratives that have circulated across for years, three words come to mind, wealth, fraud, and privilege. So keeping this in mind, any company that delivers a message of enabling anyone, regardless of wealth, income, or background, uh, to finally gain access and compete with the old Wall Street guys, well, you can see why it can become very popular very quickly. So Robinhood began with a splash, introducing a simple, beautiful, and intuitive design for any user, regardless of their experience. They did a great job removing friction caused by learning a new technology platform as well. Once you got approved and funds are deposited, you can immediately start investing and trading. So to continue with the success, they pioneered a commission-free trading business model that took the industry by surprise, causing all the incumbents to follow suit in 2019. They coupled this strategy with a stock referral program and boom, you have significant growth. In eight years, they added 18 million users with funded accounts. And in the first quarter 2021, they attracted 5.5 million users. Now this is explosive and a success that in my opinion, Robinhood should be proud of. And from a brand perspective, Robinhood has associated itself with retail investing and if interests continue to be high in participating in the markets, they will remain a strong player. But of course, this growth and brand awareness has not come without any costs. Now, if there was a Wall Street soap opera, Robinhood would be at the center and it would certainly be the theme here. First, to achieve their commission-free trading on the front end to the user, they must generate a substantial amount of revenue through a controversial practice, as I mentioned, payment of order flows. Now, this strategy incentivizes high-volume trading specifically regarding options, as shown in the S1 filing, and the routing to market makers for a fee raises questions on whether that is truly in the best interest of the user and whether it gets you the best market price. Now, this practice is banned in some countries due to a conflict of interest. The CFA Institute actually published a paper summarizing the ban in the UK for the sole purpose of the incentive of maximizing fees for selling order flows. Now, this practice has attracted a 65 million fine from the SEC in 2020 and a 1.2 million fine in 2019 from FINRA. Now, legislation in the US is also being created to potentially ban this practice. This would be terrible news for Robinhood in the short term, assuming that they don't diversify their revenue. Second, 
The concept of gamification has hit some scrutiny as well. Young, untrained users are practically gambling on the app. Uh, reported minimum average seen seven times daily visits per user. And now Robinhood claims they want to enable their customers to become long-term investors and take greater control of their finances. But the behavior by users tells a different story. Now I know we're all adults and if we buy alcohol, gambling casinos, why not the stock market? Well, this is where the conflict resides. So a casino is a casino, guys, and it's common knowledge that when you enter a casino, you don't go in there with the expectation of creating wealth. You go there in hopes of gambling and getting lucky, but you do not under you do not get confused with that message. Robinhood, on the other hand, claims to be that trusted brand that empowers you to build wealth, which is walking a fine line based on what's actually happening. Finally, there's a problem with transparency with Robinhood. The outages during the GameStop and meme stock rally created a bad taste in many retail investors, including myself. Restricting trades during the period of increased volatility created outrage in 50 class suits. Now, while there are mechanics behind why that tactic was necessary, Robinhood lacks proper user support to communicate transparently. And this event resulted in the largest fine by FINRA amounting to 70 million. Now, I wanted to give you guys also some personal experience behind actually using Robinhood and what some of my closest friends thought about Robinhood. Uh, so here is some of the <laughs> interesting statements that these guys had to say about uh, their experience with Robinhood. And you can actually see the various different personalities as well, too. So I hope you guys enjoy this. Do you use Robinhood to, to trade or uh, what would you use it for, essentially? I use Robinhood to track the stocks. It's easier and to trade options on it okay so you know when the whole fiasco thing happened with gamestop uh how did you feel while you were using Robinhood? were you were you using it to trade some of those particular stocks like what, what was your emotions behind it i i'm trying to remember i don't think i at that time i actually did not trade them on any platform any other i missed them all so I was, <laughs> it didn't impact me as much but I was mad whenever they obviously they chose uh, not not to let people buy the certain stocks that were moving up because that was going to create a uh, larger short squeeze. So yeah, I mean I didn't like it, but it didn't really impact me, so didn't care too much. Got you, got you. Do you, what do you use to trade? TD Ameritrade. Well, I use Weeble, but I would prefer TD Ameritrade. I thought I, th I thought you used Robinhood. No, I hate Robinhood. <laughs> Why do you hate Robinhood? It's the worst platform ever. <laughs> Why? It's just bad. <laughs> What's so bad about it? There's nothing good about it. It's like for elementary kids. Elementary <laughs> school. Are you, are you allowed to use Robinhood? What do you mean allowed? <laughs> I, I heard rumors you got banned from using it. I didn't get banned. But even if I was allowed to use it, I still wouldn't use it. <laughs> <laughs> so you got banned then. All right. <laughs> Why, why'd you it's get Why'd you get banned from Robinhood? I'm not banned from it. I have. Uh, I can only. I can't do day trades on it. I can only do like long term holds. Oh, okay. So I don't care. Okay. So yeah. you got you got uh you got restricted on your day trading habits, huh? Yeah. yeah. So that's why that's why you don't like it. No, I don't like it. I I got the same thing at TD Ameritrade, and I love TD Ameritrade, 
<laughs> the platform just sucks. Like it's just terrible. Do you, do you uh, was Robinhood your first trading account? Um, no, I actually have a TD Amer- T- uh, I have a TD Ameritrade. I just never use it. Um, so Robinhood was my second one, and then I have this other one too, but I honestly don't even know the name of it, and I deleted the app, but I can't remember do, the name. Of do you, Do you like using Robinhood? Yes, I love it. What do you love about it? I mean, it's easy. My dumbass doesn't really understand um, TD Ameritrade, so Robinhood's like ten times easier. Nice, nice. What when when the whole uh, you know fiasco happened with uh, with uh, with GameStop and everything? Did you get angry with Robinhood, or you didn't really care much? No, because I didn't. I didn't have GameStop. Okay, so you um, so actually, I was like, I was I I liked Robinhood because. Um, when when that whole thing was happening with GameStop, Naked actually was going through something too, like the Naked brand, and I ended up cashing out like a thousand dollars in a day. Um, so I'm like, shit, okay, keep doing that. Ha <laughs> Look at you. But huh? yeah, no, I didn't. I wasn't in GameStop, so it didn't really affect me. Cool, cool. But but overall, you give Robinhood a thumbs up, huh? Yes. I love it. I love it. Well, perfect. You use TD Ameritrade? Yeah. Do you like it? I love it. Do you like? Have you used Robinhood at all? None. What's your opinion on Robinhood? I can't give an educated opinion because I've never used it as far as like the platform itself. But I just don't like it because they give people bad pills. They're not getting real time pills. So, as a time investor, it's important to understand Robinhood holistically. As a fintech company, they are performing quite well, and they have made investing easier for everyone. We can't deny that. However, there are serious regulatory and brand issues that Robinhood needs to navigate to truly democratize finance and become the most trusted, lowest cost, and most culturally relevant money app worldwide. In my opinion, the fact that Robinhood is still here and widely used with all of that negative media attention reveals how unique their product design is and how resilient the brand is as well. As a long-term public investor, I would personally wait and see how everything develops over the next two years. Now, I do wish I were part of the seed round or a series A round in Robinhood, which for those who participated will exceed a 100x return. Congratulations. And I am personally, personally curious to see how Robinhood involves in the public eye. And truthfully, honestly, I hope they can accomplish their mission and vision regarding investing in money because... When you can invest your money, break down barriers in a very easy way and build wealth, why say no to that? And with that, guys, stay curious. And as always, if you like the content, please make sure to share this newsletter, share this post, follow me on Twitter. Also join me on Common Stock in my community there and subscribe if you have not already. So thank you and on to the next.